Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry and of course this is my co-host. My name is Chris Edelston. And today we are very excited to be talking to you about the... 1998. 1998 film, Zero Effect. You're probably the best... Excuse me. Excuse me, you are the best private investigator in the world. Two shots, down she goes, execution style. Guess what the victim's name is. Uh, let me guess. No, I don't mean really guess. There's no way you can actually guess. Clarissa. I'm being blackmailed, Mr. Arlo. How desperate? Scale of one to ten. Bordering on manic. <laughs> I need the matter resolved. Take me to the scene of the crime. My employer is hardly your typical private detective. What did I tell you about the curtains? When he's working, smoothest operator you've ever seen. Brave, slick, cunning. As soon as he gets off work, complete freak. Nuts. Tactless. Terrible. Rude. Hello. What's his name? Harold Burgess. Mitchell. Hardwell. Nick Carmine. Carol. Sergio. I'll give you $1 million if you sell out your boss. When your number's up, it's up. $2 million. Innocent people suffer and murderers get away with it. $5 million. What kind of a hold does this guy, whoever he is, have on you? These people are victims of plots and they need our help. So what if I was to walk in there right now? What would happen? I'll shoot you. I have a gun and everything. The mysterious and brilliant Daryl Zero. Uh, could I ask you a question? What's that? Why are we talking on the phone? Do you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Huddleston? I do. As we said, this is a 1998 film. It was the first film uh, written and directed by Jake Kasdan, son of Lawrence Kasdan. uh, And it stars Bill Pullman, Ben Stiller, Ryan O'Neill, Kim Dickens. And the synopsis is as such. Private investigator Daryl Zero, Bill Pullman, is one of the finest sleuths in the world, but also one of the most eccentric. A recluse prone to odd behavior, Daryl utilizes his assistant, Steve Arlo, Ben Stiller, as his face to see clients. When businessman Gregory Stark, Ryan O'Neill, falls victim to a blackmail plot, he employs Daryl to find the culprit. Daryl starts to home in on Gloria Sullivan, Kim Dickens as a suspect, but he also finds her attractive, which complicates the case. So you were unfamiliar with this film. Correct? Never heard of it, never seen it. Okay, so you go first. Yeah, you know, it felt like someone's first movie to me. Um, it looked good. It was well shot. Uh, I think it was, I think it was well cast. Um, And the script was pretty good. I feel like the things for me that made it feel like someone's first film had to do with sort of pacing and clarity. And there were some script elements that felt um, a little self-consciously clever like the the word choices that some characters had as they, I, I don't have examples to cite, but it just, at various places through the script, it felt written, the dialogue felt written. 
Um, and I think that, you know, it's a, it's a detective story. So they got to crack the case. There's that. There's the femme fatale. I mean, there's a lot of classic elements of that um, genre here, but it also plays for laughs. Sometimes there's an element of the absurd, right? There's sort of an absurdist streak throughout um ben stiller looking really uh young here and you know i like bill pullman too um i felt like at the end of the movie by the end of the movie we were supposed to feel like these two were kind of sherlock and and watson like they were this team that just wouldn't you know, that, that Sherlock couldn't do what he did without his Watson, right? Um, and I didn't feel like they had that chemistry um, at all in the movie. I didn't feel like it was difficult for Ben Stiller. I was like, we're going to spoil these this movie. So if you're just 25 see, years old, you don't want to hear what happens, right? Uh, so when Ben Stiller leaves, that didn't feel difficult for me. It didn't feel particularly difficult for Bill Pullman, even though he, you know, his lines said, what am I going to do without you, right? Um, you know, and I didn't feel any chemistry between the Kim Dickens character and Bill Pullman either. And you were supposed, obviously you're supposed to, they fall in love. She's the only woman he's ever loved, apparently, if we can believe him in the movie. So it's not that people did a bad performance. I would chalk that up to a, a first-time director who isn't, you know, you, you get a take and then you don't move on. You just go, I'm not getting what I need to see here. So let's stop. Let's direct. <laughs> Let me get in there and see if I can help you out. What did you think? You'd seen it a while ago. Yeah. So I saw this when it around the time it was originally released so either on home video or one of the movie channels and i'm gonna say this was probably i caught it on the movie channel um and had not seen it since then i remembered liking it but i remembered very little about it so uh bill pullman's character is um so as we kind of said he's this they He's it's self-professed, I guess, but he's very much like a Sherlock Holmes in that he's supposed to be this genius detective. Um, but otherwise, his life is a mess. He lives in this penthouse apartment in L.A., but he like does amphetamines and stays up for for days at a time and all of this. Um, and so it it has a Sherlock Holmes feeling to it, a, a more comedic sort of Sherlock Holmes. It also seems a bit like a more, a quirkier, somewhat less comedic Fletch. I don't know if Fletch ever like kind of crossed your mind watching this, but it, mm. uh, that sense of like sarcastic comedy, you know, did that mm -hmm. sense of like, of of uh wise ass uh, 
Like that's true North in terms of what's funny, which again, felt like the writer to me. I'm like, you're mm-hmm. some 20 something, or maybe the, maybe Kazdan wrote it himself, but somebody writing me like, this is hilarious, you know? And you're like, I don't know, kid. <laughs> it's very much, you said it feels written. You know, there are films that you see where even sometimes films that have really great dialogue, but they never sound like something someone would say in real life. Right. And this movie has a lot of that. I, I felt like right um, off the top, his pitch, we, we, we open in, in some businessman's office and the Watson character who is, uh, who is Ben Stiller, uh, ben Stiller is, making this pitch of why he should hire his employer, uh, the Bill Pullman character. And he's giving this sort of resume is like he is and you know, he has uh, unparalleled, uh, you know, perception and, and just, no, nobody talks that way, you know, and it's this long monologue of this sort of, you know, and, and, and all the actors do a good job of, trying to make it sound naturalistic but it just clinks on the ear you know uh yeah for sure and it's he also um so bill pullman is supposed to be so uh ben stiller is his assistant because bill pullman is he's very uncomfortable with people he's probably you know, almost kind of agoraphobic. He doesn't want to leave his home. Uh, he doesn't like to talk to people. Um, and they, he's supposed to be a master of disguise, I guess. But all they do really is just like, he'll have a beard or a mustache or something. And, I, you know, I think that was supposed to be funny. And, and that made me chuckle a bit at times. It was, it was supposed to be a, a running gag where it's like the, the bell boy or something, you never would step up and until he's right over your shoulder being like, meet me at the car. You're like, Oh, it's him. <laughs> you know, that's what it's supposed to be, but it really right. just looks like Bill Pullman and a bunch of fake beards, goatees, mustaches, and wigs. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know if you are supposed to, really buy that he is this amazing detective i mean he makes a lot of money one thing that's interesting is i think you are i think you're supposed to buy it you are and this is something i i feel like i say this every week so i don't want to sound like people that listen to this regularly i don't want to sound like a broken record but this feels so this again is one of these things of how the movie business has changed in the last 20 25 years um, this was by no means a hit. I, I don't know what the budget was, but I looked up, it made about $2 million. <laughs> you right? shock so, me, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I think is a little bit of refreshing about this, going back and watching this now, is you are, this, I guess, was an original story by Jake Kasdan, but it feels a bit like this could have been based on a book, as the as the Fletch films are. Because you're kind of just, you're sort of just dropped into the middle of it. You get almost, other than just brief little sketches, you get almost no background on either of them. And they, there's a running voiceover at times with Bill Pullman. And he'll uh, allude to other cases, the case of the guy who 
didn't tie his shoes or something like that. Right, and those are funny. Those are funny yeah. cases too. Yeah. So there are little brief sketches, but I feel like if this were a movie now made today, they would they would do flashbacks and show you some of this, or they would maybe even start it as an origin story, thinking like, oh, maybe we'll do another one of these. So you know, that's um, that felt a little bit refreshing to me. I think this period um, in Ben Stiller's career is interesting because at this time he was doing kind of a lot of indie stuff like this. This was before he started doing the, like the Meet the Fockers and the uh, Night at the Museum and things like that. So he was a little like he did The Cable Guy, which I've never actually seen that movie um, before. Um, but he did another one. Have you ever that seen? Was, wait, that was Ben Stiller? Ben Stiller is the, so um, uh, Jim Carrey is the cable guy, huh. but Ben Stiller is the the person that he's going to I his I don't know why I thought it was Matthew Broderick. I've, I've never seen it either. We should do that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that would definitely be a good one to do sometime. But he did another film. Uh, have you ever seen Permanent Midnight? That's the one where he's a writer on Alf. Yeah, and it's based, based on the guy's actual I haven't seen it, but I'm, I'm and more familiar with that movie, but I haven't seen it. He's a heroin addict in it. So it's kind of interesting to see, you know, I, I don't know that that's a role that Ben Stiller would do now. Um, and it's... Uh, I think to some acclaim. I mean, I think he's gotten yeah, I think lauded he got, for that performance. Yeah, it's worth watching. I mean, that, but this was, I think it was the same year. I think it was 1998. But anyway, he was doing some pretty interesting stuff at that time. And also you kind of forget how, and you know, he still has an ongoing good career, but you, you kind of forget how good Bill Pullman was too. I think much of your enjoyment of this film is how much you can tolerate the quirkiness of his character because he's, he's just so uncomfortable. And there are, once he gets involved with, um, the love interest, Gloria, and what's her name again? Um, anyway, that's just so, the interaction between them is so awkward. Very stiff. And you, you've you got some movie logic in there of people knowing each other for two or three days and then falling in love. Does that happen in real life? Maybe, right. but you know, not the way it does in films, but at times you're, other than he's a handsome guy, but you're just thinking, why would this woman fall in love with this guy? He's right. so awkward. And a lot of there are periods of them just kind of looking at each other, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I think he plays the discomfort and it's difficult to watch. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable to watch. And I think that's a, I mean, I think since this, movie was made we've seen a number of uh reboots of sherlock holmes right we've seen big big screen adaptations of sherlock holmes in different styles we've seen uh small screen adaptations i think that the benedict cumberbatch and um what's his face from lord of the rings yeah british television series was excellent right Mm. So I think that um, whether or not you're familiar with reading the Sherlock Holmes books, the idea that Sherlock Holmes is a socially difficult guy, an exacting 
and and demanding guy to work for. And Watson, uh, Watson has a wife, right? Sherlock is single, but Watson is, and Watson is sort of his work wife, right? He always wants, but Watson has a wife and that's his, his relationship with Sherlock is a strain on his relationship with his wife, which all of which we see here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this started with Sherlock Holmes, uh, but w- what doesn't square to me in terms of the Bill Pullman character is that he's erratic, he's um, socially, and, and Ben Stiller even says this, it's like when he's off duty, when he's, he's impossible, right? Won't even leave the house. Like he's on the spectrum, agoraphobic, all of these different, you know, he's an addict. It's all, it's everything. Uh, but when he's on a case, he's like a master of disguise. And it just doesn't, you, I can't, conceive of a of a human being even in a comedy um and this isn't really a comedy although it sort of is it's like are you is this a comedy or is it what is it Mm -hmm. it's trying to be several things uh i just couldn't get my head around a, a character that was both things that was so paranoid and sort of agoraphobic and sort of on the spectrum and it's very vague, right? So there's no real research. doesn't feel like anybody cared to try and make this a real person. They're just like, oh, it's, he's everything. And you're like, okay. First of all, you can't play that, <laughs> right? And second of all, it's just not, doesn't feel real. And then that, that he could also be as effective as he is in just navigating society and blithely lying to the, like, he's very charming when he's on the job. And I'm like, so how is this asshole basically and dysfunctional in in many ways guy, how is he capable of being so, such a manipulative, successful, you know, social operator in that way you know he's socially engineers getting answers out of a lot of people and you're kind of like well could a guy described as the former also do that because it didn't didn't feel real to me there's one part where in a voiceover where he says something about it's more or less like i'm paraphrasing here but he has to pretend to to act like a normal person and understand what normal people are like or what just people in general are like, because, you know, it's when he's on the case and he's going and he's following Ryan O'Neill around and he's going to his gym. And this is where he meets this Gloria who he falls in love with. But the second he's away from that and goes back to his hotel, it's just like, it's completely exhausted him to do anything that a normal person would do you know and at the beginning of the movie where we're introduced to him where uh ben stiller goes to his his penthouse apartment he tells him that he's been taking methamphetamines and he hasn't slept for three days but he takes this case and it's like the next morning they're gonna have to get on a plane and he's like well i gotta go to sleep now i was just thinking if you stayed up for three days doing i mean i've never done that before i've never stayed up for three days doing methamphetamines but you know 
if I get like a couple hours less sleep than I normally do, I'm just wiped out the next day. You know what I mean? I do. Uh, and you have, this is again, a, a comedy that, you know, 90 minutes or so is really great for comedy, but this is almost two hours long, but with those two hours, there's still a lot that is left undeveloped. So you have all this time that you could really sort of delve a bit more into how this guy works and maybe make it a little more believable, but that kind of never really happens. Yeah. And there are, there are a handful of places where the story just doesn't make any sense and you can feel the thing kind of trying to bend it in half and stuff it in. Like, he tells her that he's an accountant at one point. And she says, oh, will you help me with my taxes? And he says, sure. I mean, come on. Nobody. <laughs> For that alone is just stupid. It's like, well, it's not. I'm not really that kind of accountant. I'm here at this convention. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I'll help you with the taxes. He knows nothing about taxes, right? They make a hay about this. And so he sits down to do her taxes. and she's clearly suspicious of him so she says what about this bogus exemption it's some star trek city name i mean it's like what about the cardaxian it, it was the stupidest thing and he bluffs he goes oh well that's and i'm just like what are we watching what movie is this now this this does feel like fletch you know this feels like except that whatever else Chevy Chase is, is he can pull off that kind of baloney mm -hmm. in a hugely entertaining way, right? And it's all that kind of baloney in those movies. And in this one, it's like, oh, and then there's, they're, then they're in a, by the end, they're following for each other. So they say, we don't feel it. They're at a, like a 50s diner on either side of a chocolate shake with two straws. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Why not just a plate of spaghetti where you just lady? I mean, like, what is happening? You know? Well, and when the when she asks him about the taxes, so you know, this pretty much complete stranger comes in, you know, she's only she just knows him because she saw him at the gym and spoke to him for a moment. And you know, then she asks him to so initially. Uh, she asks him to come to her apartment and you think like, oh, she's really interested in this guy. And then it, she says, oh, you could, you know, you, since you're an accountant, could you do my taxes for me? And then, you know, you can see his, cause he is clearly attracted to her as well. And you can see his kind of his heart sink a little bit. as like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe there is no interest there. But then when she brings up whatever it is, the cumber. Cumberbatch three deduction or whatever. <laughs> right. And he explains that whole thing. You're expecting her to say, well, there is no Cumberbatch three direction. You Call know. him on it. Right. Who are you? But I guess by the end of the movie, I mean, I guess she knew that he was lying that, you know, he, she had just made this up and by the end, she's like, I he knew and he knew that she knew. And yeah. And I, I actually like that at the end, they're both, without having explicitly said it, they both understand that the, uh, to be fair to the movie. So to be fair, 
he's at the gym where his client works and he's observing his client. And there is just a completely innocent, random interaction between him and her at the counter to sign up for a massage. Cause he's like, I want to, he's trying to talk to the masseuse that gives a massage every morning or whatever. And there's a spark, you know, there's something about her that strikes him at that moment. And that's important because we see her again shortly and unexpectedly, and we, we need to be able to recognize who it is. So they have that first interaction. Then that, that felt very natural and very plausible to me. Then he goes and stakes out the drop, right? He, he stakes out the first drop of this blackmailer. And he's watching to see who's going to pick up the dropped cash. And there's a couple of red herrings, but then it's her. Mm-hmm. It's her that goes in. And, and it's a great exclamation point because we're like, oh, that's the girl from the from that first time we see her. We're like, well, how is she going to come back into this? And then it's like, oh, there's that's how she's coming back into this. So he and she doesn't see him. So um, she doesn't know that this random guy she didn't know anything yet, uh, but that suddenly she is central to his case and not just because he thinks she's interesting, but because she is the person, either the person who's blackmailing his client or directly involved with somebody else who is right. So, so he starts kind of organizing, orchestrating ways to kind of cross her path and get to know her a little bit. And I think that all unfolds. But saying I'm an accountant, again, felt like comedy. It's like, what do you do? I am a chimney sweep. (laughs) You're an accountant? Why would you say that you were an accountant? You know, he doesn't look like an accountant, right? His, His earlier story was, I'm an architect. Why don't you just stick with that? You've already told somebody else in the gym you're an architect. So just stay an architect right why and nobody why elaborate to... the lie <laughs> yeah and also nobody if you're this you know brilliant uh you have these brilliant power powers of deduction and everything and an architect is unlikely that anybody is going to say hey can you come and redesign right. my house for right me? you know i don't know she was um so i'm gonna have to look her up again because i already forgot what uh what her name was, but she was, I, I feel at the time kind of an it, you know, I think she was in a lot. It, it felt like at that time. And then I had not seen her in anything for a long time. And I looked up her, she has a lot of credits and she is on fear the walking dead, which I've that's, never seen. That's how she's familiar to me. Um, Cause I, w- I watched that show for a while. I actually, I went to graduate school with uh, Coleman Domingo, who's also on that show, which is what got me into that show. I didn't, I wasn't okay. in, we were not, we were in San Francisco at the same time. We were Kim in, Dickens is her name. In class together. And I like Kim Dickens. Yeah, she's good. But again, there's a lot of, and maybe this is why they're attracted to each other. I don't know, but there's a lot of, for all the quirky, dialogue and and dialogue that's meant to be very smart there's a lot of them just kind of staring at each other yeah and again it's kind of like what is the 
It's muddy, and she'll mm. ask him something that's a sort of a double-edged question or a loaded question, and Bill Pullman will sit there and do what I call mouth acting. He'll go like, and then he'll say a line, and you're like, mm. I didn't understand what any of that meant. <laughs> you know, I don't know why I needed five or six seconds of you literally chewing over your thoughts it didn't add anything it just killed the scene right so then she takes him shooting she's like i know what we need to go out so they go out to the woods and she's got a handgun and they're shooting cans and she's like teaching him to shoot and this it's like teaching someone to play pool you know she steps behind him and she touches his arm and he the gun goes off right so it's played for it's all messed up with is this comedy or is this whatever's going on here and right at the end of that and he's sort of a lousy shot and she teaches him and then finally he hits a can right and then just as she's she's like oh you want to get the shotgun and he's like okay so she goes around to the trunk and while she's like away at the trunk he just he like it's another can yeah would just casually like a crack shot like uh you know like Clint Eastwood, he just goes and nails a can. And we see her catching that. But it wasn't clear to me. So am I like pretending is he playing an act like Mm -hmm. letting her teach him to shoot so that I felt like the movie was supposed that moment was supposed to be like he is an excellent shot. He's a crack shot because he's great at everything. Exactly. Yeah. But oh, he was master of disguising but aha she saw that and layers its onions lit and i'm just kind of like come on man you know i don't know that you're not that good a director then i guess to make that clear because it was just wasn't clear and i don't know that this guy understands uh human he doesn't understand people enough to be like oh i'm going for her sake i'm going to pretend like i can't shoot i don't know that he's that aware of other people's emotions and feelings enough to do that you know or if that's the story you're telling that this guy can't relate with other people except in some sort of disguise some sort of subterfuge then that needs to be made clear Mm -hmm. then when he gets back to the hotel we can't just see bill pullman like sit down on the bed like a guy who has been on a 12-hour flight, right? We need to do see something where he is really exhausted. Like, we need to see specifically the toll that this is taking on a person who is capable of pretending to navigate society like an expert, whatever, but is actually, that's incredibly taxing on this person. You know, and I think there should be rituals and it should be more like just ran a marathon and, you know, needs to sit down there. Maybe there's music or maybe he does the amphetamine. You know, when when he's off duty, he has to recover. And that wasn't clear either. Yeah. Um, There's also in the beginning of the film when when we're introduced to him with Ben Stiller, Ben Stiller, he, he has a buddy that he talks to sort of throughout the film where he's he kind of. Uh, unloads on his friend about the problems that he has with with this zero guy. 
And he's telling him how he's, he's like, he writes these horrible songs. So when he first goes to his penthouse, he's there in like boots and playing the guitar and singing this bad song. And they never go back to that again. Nope. So it's just like, what's the point of that? And it is terrible. Yeah. Right. It's not so bad. It's funny. Right. It's not like, though, this guy's like, it's not comically terrible. It's just terrible. And so we, mm-hmm. as I guess, uh, I guess we're with Ben Stiller. We have to sit here and listen to him finish this terrible song. And Ben Stiller at that point in the movie, very early in the movie, we, we get the sense that Ben Stiller doesn't have the kind of relationship with this guy that he can be honest with him or, mm-hmm. you know, he just feels like, Oh, it's, I hate working for this guy. It's so exhausting and whatever. And but and then his wife says, "Why do you keep doing?" It? He's like, "He needs me." I'm like, "What does Ben Stiller get out of this?" Yeah. We never see what Ben Stiller gets out of this, you know? Yeah, exactly. And as you said, I mean, money. But you, you know, he's a lawyer. He could. Yeah, he left his law firm that he he says, and you know, in the beginning to go and work for this i mean i guess he's paying him really well because he lives in this big house in los angeles but that doesn't seem to ever be a motivator and there's another (laughs) point in which somebody offers him millions of dollars yeah you know and he's not enticed by the money it isn't the money right Mm -hmm. yeah i think you know you brought up a good point i think this would be if he is a, I don't know if it's psychopath or sociopath where, you know, somebody who just does not understand other people's emotions at all. And if it were the only way that he can interact in a human way is to be playing a character, almost maybe in a way, this might not be a great analogy, but where, you know, performers where somebody can get on stage and sing but they can't have a conversation one-on-one with another person. The only way that they can have interaction with other people is to be on stage performing. I think if they would have gone a bit in that direction and kind of fleshed that out a little bit and for him to be almost like, I've never really had a real romantic relationship because I have to pretend to be somebody else. Well, he sort of does. Be, he says the only yeah. woman I've ever, the only woman. And then I thought mm-hmm. to me, that's like, this is literally the only female relationship you've ever had. And you, that may have, you may have lost your virginity with this woman, yeah. which seems implausible as played by Bill Paxton. But I thought again, on paper, Pullman. on paper, uh, what did I say? Bill Pullman. Paxton. Paxton. It's easy Pullman. to make that. Yeah. They're, um, I thought more less than psychopath because it's not that he lacks empathy, mm-hmm. but but something definitely on the spectrum autism, right? Because there's the there's the almost obsessive uh, observing of human behavior and analysis and and almost a savant like tracking of details that's that's very uh sherlock holmes like right the mm-hmm. deductive right how did you know i was a paramedic well i smelled the what was it the formaldehyde the uh, iodine it has a iodine, very specific yeah. smell right and your hair was wet so i thought that 
maybe you had worked the late shift and you had gotten wet, but you hadn't been home to shower yet to wash up the smell. And that's where I got, and I thought not doctor, right? And he, he, he talks her through it like Sherlock Holmes would, that by, by the process of deduction and several little tiny clues that the most logical thing was whatever. And all of that, you know, and the difficult that he's difficult to work with and he's demanding and he's megalomanic and self-centered and he's the center of his own universe. All of that made me think, well, that's, but, <laughs> but it would be difficult for me to imagine him playing the smooth con man that he does for a lot of this movie, if that was the case, because you can't turn that on and off. Yeah. And it, it seems unlikely that, you know, he's this tall, handsome guy with money that it seems unlikely that he would have never had some kind of relationship at some other point in his life. It would have been interesting if that was what they were going for. It would have been more interesting to delve into that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. As you said, it, it feels much like a first film in that it seems like there's a lot of different ideas that don't necessarily all go together. Oh, for... <laughs> Uh, so I want to I want to I want to share something that I'm realizing that I'm I'm being a little snarky about this because I'm angry at the Kazdans for ruining Solo <laughs> because Chris Miller and Phil Lord were going to make a great movie out of that and they stepped in and they screwed it all up. So and this I one... didn't end up hating Solo, but I really wanted to see Chris and Phil's version of it. Yeah, and it was because the Kazdans were like, "That's not the way you do it." So. So this so, kid is a rich kid in Hollywood whose dad was Lawrence Kasdan, and he got to make whatever movie he wanted. And this was the movie he made. And it feels like not not untalented. I'm not going to I'm not going to say that there's nothing to appreciate here, but it feels spoiled, rushed, muddy and entitled. Yeah. Now, in fairness to him, you're not wrong with anything that you're saying there. <laughs> He didn't have, he doesn't have anything to do with Star Wars because I thought he was, I thought he, so I looked at his IMDb today and I thought he had been involved with Solo and I thought he was writing a future Star Wars, but there's another Kasdan, Jonathan Kasdan is his totally. brother. Oh, yeah. it's his brother does it. Yeah. Okay. So he wrote. Okay. Uh, I'm a jerk. No, 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 no. Sorry. Uh, I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he. So Jonathan Kasdan wrote Solo with his dad, and this this one didn't have anything. To I do didn't with it. see. I would didn't, he? Have, I didn't know there were a bunch of Kasdan. Yeah, I didn't know that either until today. Until I, I thought it was him. just like Dark and Darth and Luke. Well, there's Leia. Yeah, but like, but also, as you said, if he were not Lawrence Kasdan's son, would he even be a filmmaker now? You know, maybe, maybe, but it certainly got you know, a foot in the door by being, and he has gone on to do uh, like he's does, he directs the Jumanji movies and, you know, so he's, he's pretty big now in his own right. Yeah. I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's a, you know, I don't think it's a bad movie. I didn't, I didn't struggle to get through it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not kill and kill again. No, <laughs> it's uh, you know, yeah, it's competently made. It's know. competently made. I just feel like um, it's good enough that you really feel the parts that you think 
don't work or the parts that it's good enough that I felt like I could, so I, I got a sense of what they were going for, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But um, also the guy, the, the main character's name is Daryl Zero. <laughs> <laughs> only, only so you can call the movie Zero Effect. Mm -hmm. That's the whole reason why you named it, you know? Why is his name anything zero? Yeah. Calling him Daryl Zero makes fun of itself, right? And it's like, no, no, I mean it to be stupid. And you're like, well, why do you mean it to be stupid? <laughs> why, don't, why don't you mean it to be funny or mean it to be good or mean it to be clever? Yeah. Right? And I just feel like that's a young person's spackle. That they're like, no, no, it's ironic. Mm, well it just reads as dumb uh you know yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah, i agree zero zero effect it's pretty much what the movie left me with zero effect so would you recommend it to our viewers so i you know i think as i said kind of early on i think i can imagine there be being people watching this and not liking the bull the bill pullman character um you know I, I could see people being really annoyed by him another thing that i kind of just thought of there's no real antagonist in this movie i mean ryan o'neill is the closest thing to it but he doesn't really do he threatens bill's bill um uh not bill pullman but ben stiller at one point um sort of but and he's a not great person He's done really bad things, but he they're working for him. Um, and that's another not to get sidetracked, but that's another thing where. Uh, you know, I don't quite know what they were trying to convey there, but there's a there's a point where Ben Stiller is like, this guy's a bad guy and you don't, you know, have much insight into this. But he's like, we work for all of these bad people. And uh, Bill Pullman, you know, he has sort of a monologue where he's like, there's no good and bad people, you know, they're just our clients or whatever. You know what I mean? I, I yeah, think there's there no was, good guys, bad guys, yeah. just a bunch of guys. Yeah, there was something, again, that felt like something that, that Jake Kasdan probably had some strong feeling about, but that still kind of goes nowhere, you know? Um, but it's so, it's the closest thing to like a thesis monologue of like this is what this movie's all about, right? Yeah. This is this movie's philosophy of life in the universe of this movie, but it was confusing. In fact, yeah. I think we even are attributing, I think it's Ben Stiller that says, I think Bill Pullman says, we're the good guys. And Ben Stiller says, There's no good guys and bad guys, it's just, just a bunch guys. of guys. Yeah. And I yes. think his point is that. And I don't like this guy whom we know did bad things. And I don't want to work for, I don't want to be helping this guy who did bad things. Yeah. Right. It's not about, Oh, I don't want to be one of the bad guys. I want to be, but it was, it was very unclear. Like a lot of the film basically. So I feel like, you know, if you enjoy quirky, there's definitely some quirkiness to this it's not a laugh out loud comedy. You know, there's some, it's, it's pretty subtle humor. And 
this is, I'm sure, a movie that a lot of people haven't seen. So if you want to see an early film with these actors, and also, I guess, if you're a, a Jake Kasdan fan, I mean, you know, like I say, he's gone on to do the, the Jumanji movies. But um, so it's a... I imagine if he had done this a little later in his career, or if this if this had been his fifth movie instead of his first movie, things probably would have been tightened up quite a bit. Um, so I don't, it's kind of a marginal thumbs up for me. I didn't. Uh, it was one of those that I, I remembered liking it probably more than than I did this time around. But it was literally about half of my life ago when I watched this. So you know, the first time. I'm going to give it a thumbs horizon. Yeah, sideways. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't really want to give it a thumbs down because we have watched some stinkers. Yeah. And I don't think this is a stinker. Uh, I just think it doesn't quite pull off what it feels like it's going for. And I really enjoyed seeing Ben Stiller, you know, baby yeah. Ben Stiller. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed watching the actor's perform i just don't think the story was clear and i want to lay that on the director instead of the actors there's a big revelation at the end and i think you're supposed to be really just sort of like everything came together and you're really shocked and you're just kind of like okay i mean did you feel shocked by that no but i didn't find myself caring about anybody very much i didn't find myself caring about you know any of the characters i wasn't pulling for ben stiller and his marriage i wasn't rooting for the detective i wasn't rooting for the love story mm-hmm. uh, i think she and was most successful in coming off as a sympathetic character yeah um but you know you know a big rock ending is hard to achieve when you haven't built that audience bond with you know yeah it stakes so it looks good um and it's a pleasant you know the world it creates is pleasant it's kind of fun watching bill pullman for no reason (laughs) these disguises yeah (laughs) it's in no way a bad film no but it's not not so the right word to recommend it if somebody's like hey what's a you know movie that i would want to sit down and watch i'm like I'm not quite prepared to be like, you should watch zero effect. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But if you're like us, like I don't regret watching it. If you're like us and you're like into this kind of movie that we talk about and you've never even heard of it, I'm getting it. When you propose a movie that I have never even heard of, like I get excited. Like you Mm -hmm. sent me the trailer for Saturn three. And I was like, what? (laughs) We have to watch this. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Then I think you should check it out. Like I'm looking at the film festival stuff now. And these are, these are not established filmmakers. These are, you know, off the grid filmmakers. And sometimes they've made a film or two, but they're unknowns for the most part. And if I had gotten this film as a submission in the film festival, I'd have been over the moon. Sure. This this is really professionally made. It's a union movie. It's got to be, right? Yeah. Um, 
it, and it has its uh, problems that I've been harping on along about, but you know, it sort of so it comes down to what your expectations are of it, I guess. It was Columbia Pictures, so it's not like this was a even, studio movie, right? Yeah, so, this wasn't even an indie, you know. But it, it does feel like someone's first movie, yeah, and not someone's first studio movie, someone's first movie. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, it's definitely above the. You know, it doesn't feel like a student film. No, but it would be somebody's first professional. No, although if you told me this was somebody's like thesis project in film that they went back and rewrote and then the studio paid for it, I would, I'd have been like, well, yeah, good for you. Yeah. I would add another kind of a, an extra thing for me, I guess. I really like detective stories. I don't know if it was just, you know, when we were kids, there were a million, you know, you had Magnum PI and all these and a million other detective shows. And I've always been kind of into that, especially if it's kind of quirky. Um, so that kind of adds a point or two for me. Uh, I don't know how, you know, there's not as much detective, detective stories. I think have gone a little bit out of, um, I wonder why Vogue, you think it's I the think, rise of the internet and digital and like um, all the CSI and forensic stuff that just makes DNA evidence that there's so much more concrete information that can be gathered now that just deduction and intuition and yeah, good old, it, it, you know, legwork. It could be. Yeah. And, and with this, you know, they're using phone books and, you know, pay phones. Yeah, yeah. They're using pay phones and everything, but yeah, that kind of the, and detective stories are a lot different from cop stories because the it, it always seems to me like detectives always, even though a lot of times they're really smart, there's also this kind of, they're just sort of an everyman in a lot of ways. And they're it's not a day job. like, it's a right. day job. And they're not- That's a part of it heroes. is that they, they, and they can't leave their work. You know, it eats at them. So they go home yeah. and they drink and it's much more, you know- SVU, it's like, oh, this yeah. job's killing me. I get it. You know, but but yeah, it's a job that they're paid to do. Right. Whereas the PIs are kind of like, I don't get paid till I solve this thing, you know. So they, that's the case in that they live and breathe it and mm -hmm. work overnight and stake it out, fly over the country. And you know, yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess I'm a sucker for for those kind of stories too. So so for next time. We talked about maybe so Nightmare Alley is on HBO Max now. Yeah, and that's gotten mixed reviews, but I like the people in it. Um, I'm really you want to just do that one because yeah, I, I'm for sure I'm definitely want to see that movie anyway. So yeah, now that it's on HBO Max, let's do it. Yeah, for sure. That was one that I really would have liked to have seen in the theaters, and it you know wasn't in theaters for all that long. And they actually I was kind of hoping HBO Max would do this, but they briefly released a black and white version of it in theaters huh. um, and Guillermo del Toro. So it's a Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro film. And he said that they, they specifically, it wasn't like it was just color and they just, you know, made it grayscale or whatever it's, they specifically, it was specifically lit and shot to be a color film and a black and white film. Interesting. So, yeah. So I, I'm sure at some point the the black and white version will hit streaming as well. So I would kind of like to, assuming I like it, I would, I think I'd like to go back at some point and watch the yeah. black and white version. 
Yeah. So, but I've liked pretty much every, almost everything that Guillermo del Toro has done. So, um, yeah, I figure it's going to be no, no pun intended up my alley. So <laughs> hopefully it won't be a nightmare. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully it won't be a nightmare, but, but yeah. So, <laughs> uh, okay. So, and Chris, the fact I, that it's on HBO max, you know, anyway, yeah, so. there it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I am anything also else. Have you, have you watched anything that you were, well, uh, you know, on, on your recommendation, I've been watching the, um, also on HBO, we should get paid by HBO Max for plugging all their stuff so much. But uh, the Peacemaker thing, I yeah. have sort of surprised myself by kind of getting into. Um, it is very juvenile. It is. <laughs> it's I, I hesitate to use this word, but it's almost offensively juvenile. Uh, the writing in it. Everybody, including the women, talks like like a 13 or 14 year old boy. <laughs> right. So it's like it's like if the Goonies all sat down and wrote a series and then the, and then cast professional act, adult actors, male and female. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's really, really like dumb, but it is funny. Mm -hmm. And John Cena is funny it's weird he's just so he's such a horse you mm -hmm. know he, he there's all these close-up shots of his face and his face just looks like you know the only scene i can think of is like in that era of sci-fi like total recall where they would make an animatronic someone's head would explode or someone he'd be on mars and the eyes would come out and it doesn't it looks vaguely like schwarzenegger right yeah but it's so clearly some synthetic thing in his head and i'm like john cena looks like that like <laughs> he's just his whole head his face and it's all like meat he's just um, yeah and that's not to say he's a bad actor or any he's got good comic timing and he's 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 great i got no problem with john cena but i just kind of like it's the weirdest ugly you know because he's he's just this big moose of a guy yeah but he is really funny he looks like he's made out of ham yeah <laughs> just, that's a good description he's yeah. just like he, he took a sewed up this skin suit you just took whole hams and stuffed them in this skin suit yeah I don't know. I it's I've been watching it and it's because it is it's disgusting and raunchy and wrong and um the, and the opening title sequence is the craziest thing I have ever seen. Yeah. It's like a dance number and it's like deliberately the dumbest choreography and everybody's doing it straight faced and it's just the stupidest dance and it ends with an eagle I I mean I don't know. It's is bonkers. this eagle named Eagly or something like that? <laughs> his eagle is named Eagly. And his co-workers, the bit where he, they find out that his eagle is named Eagly. One of them says, did you name your dog Doggy? And the other one says, did you name your daughter Daughtery? <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I think, do you think it's, I think it's better than I think Suicide it's, Squad. I think it's better than Suicide Squad, yeah. yeah. Because I it doesn't. It, it doesn't, it's that same, uh, it's that same mentality, but not, 
you know, no studio got in the way and was like, look, we, we have to sell some tickets to this. And they're just like, HBO was like, no, just, um, you just do it any way you want. He's like, great. <laughs> and you can't just, imagine, like, I don't think this could get an R rating to be in a movie theater. Do you? I mean, um, it would be a hard R. Are you think you're thinking of the sex scene? Maybe. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, you could maybe. maybe there's I don't no know. real. I mean, they're both naked, and you see her breasts, but it's not. And the violence, it. I don't know. Yeah, I think again, they might have to trim some little things here and there. I don't. You know, the violence doesn't shock me. It's not like where I'm. I'm sitting there going like, "Oh, I'm never going to unsee that." It's cartoon yeah. violence, and it's people yeah. sort of explode. And but you're right in that it. It definitely feels like they were just like, "Here's some money. Do whatever you want to do." That there was just no interference with this at all. Yeah, and he was just like, "All righty then." <laughs> <laughs> Okie doke. Yeah, so um, it is it for sure entertaining. Yeah, I mean, I and don't, it's doing again, really, really well too. It's not really even my like. I don't like DC stuff, generally speaking, and I don't like. I liked the Guardians of the Galaxy. I like that a lot, you know. And that's juvenile and mm-hmm. and Dumbo, um, but more mainstream. And this is just this just takes a. It just drops you right down that Dumbo, juvenile Dumbo well. And I, at first I was like, I am right on the edge of whether or not I like this. But, you know, I was high one night and I watched the second episode and I, I started to like the characters. Mm-hmm. I started, you know, despite all the stupid dialogue, I started to get invested in the characters. And that, you know, so... That it gets its hooks in you like that for me. It's like I start to care about the characters. Well, now I care, <laughs> you yeah. know. And I... Yeah, he does a. I mean, James Gunn is definitely talented in that regard. Oh that yeah, it could be just nothing but juvenile humor, and you just don't care, and that wouldn't be but, entertaining. Yeah, there's actually he, there's a lot of that, <laughs> right? A lot of that type of but thing. But he's able to com- combine that with a heart that is you know i think that's that's i'm sure hard to do yeah um, it start you start he starts by you going oh, idiot and then and then you surprise yourself by being like i actually feel kind of bad for him. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know it's that's that's kind of new to me because we've had the whole anti-hero where you're like this guy is a monster tony soprano yeah. then why am i rooting for tony soprano right Tony Soprano is a murderer. This is kind of the anti-hero is a moron. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. He's not a monster as much as he's a moron. You're like, why would I care? Why would I care about this complete moron? But he gets you to somehow. Yeah, exactly. Have you seen um, another show that you might like? That's kind of a bit along these lines. There's another DC one, but have you seen Doom Patrol? I started watching Doom Patrol Did you? and uh, I, 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 it went the other way. I never, never started never caring, so never, never okay. cared about the characters. I watched the first season and I enjoyed it and I never got, I think they're into their third or fourth season with yeah. that one. And I've, I never 
you know, I didn't love it, but I thought it was pretty good. I think I muscled um, my way through the first season just to sort of see where it was going. And then I maybe watched the first episode of the second season. I just kind of like, mm, yeah, no. Yeah. But, you know, it's got a following too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're into their third or fourth season, I believe. So I think it's maybe coming back. I've been meaning so. to watch Squid Game, which had a big following for a hot minute. I haven't, haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah. I, I know how it, I've been told how it ends and everything. So I don't know that I'll ever, that I'll ever get around to it. But. Oh, I did see Spider-Man. Oh, okay. I did see Spider-Man. I went, uh, went down to New York city on one of my trips and uh, had some free time. So I went and saw it in the okay. theater. And you and, enjoyed it? Yeah, very much. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to catch that at some point and we'll talk about it. Uh, I don't know if it'll go to Disney plus soon or i mean it would be yeah. a while i guess but. i think it's doing really well in theaters oh, yeah. and i yeah, think yeah. they make it's more huge. money so i think they will sit on that as long as they can unless they already have some kind of contractual obligation i don't know you can google that up they keep going back and forth as to whether he's going to come back i keep seeing articles where it's like oh he's going to do several more and then it's like he maybe maybe he won't do another one i think yeah. there's just so much money that they'll just keep throwing money at him until you know well People Robert Downey Jr. certainly taught agents that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, if this thing continues to make money the way it's continuing to make money, then they have leverage, even if they've signed something. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll sue you. Okay, sue us. Wait, wait, don't go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And we've got Batman coming up in a month or so. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, that yeah, and that's going to be another one that's almost three hours. It's like just a few Oof. minutes short of three hours. I think I'm just getting too old for the three hour. Movie. Like my <laughs> yeah. like physically, my ass. I can't. Yeah, I'm like, I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> Quit intermissions. Yeah, Quit exactly. In movies like they used to. So. Uh, okay well, so right. chris and chris talk movies at gmail.com that is us and you might be watching us on youtube or you might be listening to us on a podcast or you might be right behind me no you're no. not um we're on the socials you can reach us and please do that and like smash that like button subscribe smash subscribe we're gonna do uh nightmare, nightmare alley. alley it's another new one new yes. pretty new one um won't you watch it with us and join us next won't week you join us won't you be my neighbor <laughs> so already and i we didn't say it on the air but happy belated birthday to oh thank you mr huddleston thank you very much yes and um yeah that's it so anything else to add no i think that's it no great so we will talk to you next week baby <laughs> <laughs>